You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome back, everyone, to a new edition here of the MJ Sportscast. As usual, I'm joined by my host, Jerry Yang. This is Mike Tang. Jerry, how are you doing today? Good. You know, like the world of sports is never a dull moment, right? So we'll uh, dig deep into it. But, you know, I'm kind of glad the giant season's back. It kind of gives you a every day or every most day type of thing to watch, you know, and I guess I didn't realize how much I missed baseball until it was back. You know, <laughs> now it's back, and we almost didn't have you know the season. It makes you appreciate it even more. And the games have been pretty exciting so far. I thought. Um, so, how about you, man? Have you been watching any Giants baseball lately? You know, it's funny you mentioned how it's exciting to have baseball back. And I know we had a conversation uh, this past weekend about. The differences between, say, playing fantasy football and, say, playing fantasy baseball um, here. And uh, you made a remark indicating that it's pretty tough to keep up, you know, with the day-to-day activities of fantasy baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it just because with fantasy football, it's more of like a weekly setup kind of thing here? Um, Or is it something else in relation to it? Yeah, it's mainly the weekly setup, right? I think, I mean, you kind of look at your roster every day in fantasy football, but I think fantasy baseball, there's more you have to do on a daily basis, right? Like, if I miss a day in fantasy football, it's not a huge thing because you're kind of setting your roster for the week, looking out for free agents, maybe. Where versus, mm-hmm. I think, for fantasy baseball, depending on matchups, depending on who's out there. And they, the way the stats are accumulated, too, um, is a little bit different, right? Like, you're just kind of scoring on certain metrics, like strikeouts for pitchers or hits for batters. You're not really looking at, you know, the individual players adding points up to form a full, full score for the week. You know, you're kind of looking at the individual stats and hoping you have a balanced roster that will fill most of those stats, right? And to me, it's a little bit more challenging, um, especially to keep up with. I tried it one season. It was a lot of commitment, and I did a lot of work to try to do it, and I ended up ending, I think I was like in fourth place or something like that, right? So so to me, I just didn't think it was worth um, my time to invest in it, you know, versus like a football I feel like there's lower commitment and I'm seeing a lot more results from the little time I've spent each day on it. You know, I carve out maybe, you know, just 10 or 15 minutes a day kind of keeping up with what's on the roster and things like that. Um, and I was still able to, you know, win leagues. Right. So, so I think that's the what about, what about in fantasy football, setting up a league where the settings are kind of similar to football, right? where the managers can maybe only set their lineup for that week, not make any adjustments there. They can only make adjustments, say, Sunday night or Monday morning, and then not being able to touch, you know, your roster until the end of the week here, and also not being able to make waiver wire claims until maybe one day a week, or maybe you can kind of set that claim up um, there. You know, it kind of gives the people, a busy people, um, more room, you know, as opposed to someone who's on their computer all day, able to claim players and everything. Um, would you be more open to uh, something like that? I think personally, that would be really frustrating, actually, though, because <laughs> I, will, I will try to, you know, I'll still look at it and then, like, really plan for whatever, um, whenever those windows open. But then when I don't get it, it'll be like a bigger disappointment. And okay, I don't get it because I already know up front. 
and now I can plan the rest of the week to see what I do with my roster, you know? So, so to me, I think it's a little bit more frustrating <laughs> still, you know, like even for, you know, setting the league's um, settings like that, you know, because like you kind of, you know, can't do anything about it in some ways, but yeah, but to your point though, it would be low, lower commitment. So I think I would actually warm up a little bit more to it um, than the current settings, right? But but it'll still be a little frustrating, I think. <laughs> so, and plus the length of the season is yeah. a lot longer. You know, it's just so so long that it's kind of hard <laughs> to keep up with everything. Yeah, else. I find the more enjoyable baseball settings are the ones where you're playing kind of a match, like a matchup base, mm-hmm. um, per week, similar to football, where you're matching up against another team. Here, as nice. opposed to just accumulating stats and being in a in a total standings. Um, yeah. kind of set up so just something to consider there for for fans or people who are looking into uh fantasy baseball and and are are kind of reserved to it just because of how long the season is um mm-hmm. i think it's kind of fun if you're able to put in some time into the game how many leagues are you in for uh fantasy baseball i'm only in that one league that uh you told me about <laughs> here so <laughs> Have you played um, in previous I'm kind of leagues? similar to you where I'm trying to kind of uh, I'm kind of trying to get back and I was a little reserved about it before um, just because of the time commitment and everything. But I think playing fantasy sports, it allows you to to know the game a lot better um, here. Um, you're kind of forced to right? because you're forced to know the players. You're forced to kind of right. know, you know, what other teams are doing besides your own hometown team um, there. So it's definitely good for knowledge yeah no i agree and i think to me it makes the sport more fun too you know because you're because you have that holistic view and know who are some of the best players and who are some of the worst players you know the ones that might be overrated um but might be or vice versa right where everyone doesn't think much of a player but then in fantasy he's a superstar right and it gives you a new perspective to the game i think yeah So let's kind of talk about the news of the week or maybe the non-news of the week in relation to top wide receiver Debo Samuel um, here. And, you know, wide receivers in the past, um, specifically starting in the 90s, you know, they've been known to be divas, right? And it kind of goes back, you know, dating back to Jerry Rice, you know, kind of yelling at Glenn Dickey in the locker room back in the days here. It kind of goes back to, you know, days like Michael Irvin on there. And also Terrell Owens is another player that we know all too well about his antics. But nowadays here, it seems like the modern player has adapted this passive aggressive approach in terms of letting the public uh, know that it's not okay that the stuff that's going on behind the scenes is not okay. So this is the approach I'm going to take um, here. What are your thoughts about Debo Samuel blacking out his images and all his social media posts about the 49ers? You know, like, I think on one hand, I kind of understand it because a lot of people get injured in football, right? Like football is a very dangerous sport. And, you know, there's no guarantees that, this whole year he'll stay healthy and bank on the fact that at the end of the season, he'll get a good contract. Right. I think a lot of people now are edge are leaning towards having a contract ready before their current contract ends, you know, or, or get traded to a team and get that contract. So I kind of understand where he's coming from. Um, I think what I read is 25 million is, is the magic number. You know, and I think the Niners are trying to make it work. I think there was a lot of talks where Kyle was saying he was on the trading block and things like that. But then the things that came out today, they've declined all offers for trading Debo. <laughs> so I think it goes to show that I think all this stuff is just posturing because we're in the off season, right? So I think people are kind of overreading into it a little bit. Um, and the negotiations are happening. So I think... Debo is just trying to create more leverage by removing the references of the Niners, you know, but I guess on the other hand, to your point, 
some wide receivers are a little bit devilish, you know? Like, why they had to do all this? All this stuff could have been behind the scenes, you know? Like, someone like, I think Russell Wilson is a good example where, you know, no one knew that he was unhappy really with the team. Like, there was a lot of, you know, backstage talks, but it was all like rumors, nothing confirmed. He hasn't confirmed it. His social media wasn't blacked out, right? Uh, and then he ended up getting traded to the Broncos. And then that was a surprise to everybody. But I thought he handled it professionally. Right? I thought that was the way to go, where you kind of keep everything backstage and keep everything in-house. You know, And then if you're dissatisfied, work it out directly with the people that actually made the change. Um, but you know, I think Debo and Kyler Murray, I think, was the first to do it to take out the social media was trying to create some leverage for themselves, you know, and trying to kind of take advantage of a situation where they're trying to get fans on their side. Right. And, you know, I think it works. <laughs> I think right now Debo has some leverage, right. Um, and he is one of the best players on the team, you know, and last season you can argue he was probably the best right receiver next to Cooper cup. Right, uh, definitely stat wise, he's up there. So, but to me, I think um, it will be a big loss to lose him, obviously, because he means a lot to the team, right? Like, he has the running back potential, he has the right receiving potential. Um, so, we'll see how it goes, but I think he'll be back. <laughs> you know, I think all this is just posturing for extra years or extra dollars. So, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's tough for the 49ers because they're probably looking at how much money they can spend, right? Especially after having some of the top rated players at some of the key positions here. Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk is a fullback. He's not getting paid a lot, but he's the top paid fullback in his position class. Uh, you have Trent Williams. Um, you also have uh, Kittle as one um, as well here. And then you're going to have Nick Boza that you're going to have to pay as well you know, a premium for his services. So I think the 49ers are probably asking themselves, can they just get another cheap wide receiver in the draft, drop them in the first or second round here and not have to pay top dollar, you know, for a wide receiver like that. We saw what happened with the Chiefs, right? With Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs decided to go that direction in which they didn't want to pay him top dollar. We saw what happened with uh, Minnesota Vikings a couple years back with Stephon Diggs. They decide, okay, well, you want to walk? Go ahead and walk, and we're just going to draft Justin Jefferson in the first round the following year, and they haven't really missed a beat with that position right. group. So we can also argue that wide receiver is is easily replaceable as, in addition to the running back position, and it also helps that this wide receiver class is pretty darn good from what I'm hearing. Um, so I'm not sure if Debo Samuel has a lot of leverage in my opinion. Well, do you think he's he can probably getting a lot of do you think I don't know about replacing his skill talent, but I do think you can find someone to be as productive as mm. Debo Samuel. And I would also say Debo Samuel hasn't been the healthiest player on the roster either. You know? Right. So we don't know how his health is going to hold up in the upcoming years. Um, so combine that with how you know, wide receivers, you know, come a dime a dozen nowadays. Uh, you combine that with his health status. Um, it's kind of tough to think that we're going to pay him more than 30 million, maybe in that 20, 25 million dollar range. But I think he's looking for more than that. Yeah, I think this, the only thing is, I think it sets a bad precedence, though, that you do so well last season and you don't get rewarded for it, right? I think that's always been kind of the argument to not to do it. Um, and to me, I feel like a, a, something will get done, right? Like I think there was a lot of rumors last season about Fred Warner and his contract and not, you know, renewing him and there's a lot of leverage. And then he got the contract got done, right? <laughs> and same with George Kittle, right? There was a lot of talks there about trade. Even this season, I think people are still talking about trading George Kittle, right? Which I think is pretty silly to say. Um, but that contract got done. So I think we'll we'll wait and see. And maybe you're right. He doesn't have the leverage that he thinks he has. 
But I do know most teams will want him. You know, I think he's desirable. So if the Niners want to make the trade, there's going to be a lot of suitors out there. You know, and it could be a package like the Tyreek Hill one where we get a lot of draft picks back. We lost a lot because of Lance, right? And now we might get some back if um, if that's the direction they decide to go with. Yeah, I'm not too sure if there's a whole lot of suitors. I know the one team that that could have wanted him acquired Tyreek Hill not too long ago, and that was the Miami Dolphins there. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what specific team will want Debo, but he's definitely one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL, and people will definitely listen. But will the Niners get a first-round jack pick? Probably, right, for a guy like yeah. Debo Samuels. But – Hoping that he stays because honestly, what he does on the offensive side of the ball, it's pretty, it's pretty hard to duplicate. Right. So. Um, yeah. I feel like the Niners need another receiver, right? Like even if they do keep Debo, you have Brian, I, Brandon, Ayu there was kind of your number one. They have Debo for the speed, but they're kind of missing like a slot guy, you know? So I think they've tried like Trent Taylor and a few other guys and maybe Juan Jennings is trying to be that guy, but they're still missing, I think, another core piece of the right receiving core. So I think both might be true, right? They might keep Debo and draft a right receiver potentially. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it really reminds me of the DeForest Buckner situation, right? We never thought Buckner was going to get moved, and he wow. ended up getting traded surprisingly and that shook up the whole locker room and i think the players remember that um i'm sure debo samuels remembers that pretty clearly here but i just think the way he's approaching the situation and and blacking out his 49ers uh references on social media it's just it's just so such childish play you know and as a fan it just it it's a real turnoff right to see a player that you enjoy watching on tv do that you know because honestly making millions of dollars here you're making way more than you know the average person living in california yet you're complaining you know about you know money in that aspect so right. it's just very frustrating to watch as a fan no i agree right because uh, i mean like i said professionally he should have done that it just feels so modern doesn't it like <laughs> it weren't for social media this is not this won't even be a discussion really you know, like, what does he do? <laughs> He's not going to do that, right? So so I think it's just the day and age we live in. And I guess it could be worse, right? Like, he could straight out tweeted something bad about the Niners, but instead it was just more of a subtle subtle hint, I guess, right, that he put in. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're making too much of a big deal out of it, right, as fans and also the media. But, gosh, it definitely shook you know, the NFL world for that few mm. days that he did it. Yep, yep, yep. I think something what are your thoughts that. about the, the current uh, 49ers signings here? You know, they ironically, they signed a couple wide receivers <laughs> <laughs> after that happened. Um, Malik Turner and Marcus Johnson, two guys that, you know, I haven't heard much about here. They haven't had too many re receptions in their career, but um Anything that you made out of it from your end? I just saw it as practice squad, you know, type signing, you know, adding more depth to the team. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's adding depth to the team, you know. I think they're just kind of trying those guys out, seeing if anyone becomes like a hit, right? Um, I think Mohamed Sanu's probably not coming back to the team. Um, they're trying to work something out with Juan Jennings as well. I think something will get done, but if not, maybe one of these guys will be that Juan Jennings type. But none of these guys are a replacement for Debo, right? Like, obviously, I think some people were reading into it because of the timing of the situation. But to me, it's what you said. I think these guys are just practice players, you know. Um, and maybe we'll find a gem in the rough there. But, but most likely, it's just going to be adding more depth. That's it. So, in more sobering news, you know, uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, a quarterback um, here with the NFL, uh, he passes away, got hit by a truck, it looks like, on the freeway. Um, but most notably about this was the tweet 
that was sent out by Adam Scheffler in regards to this news here. So that he tweets out about um, about what happened, and then he ends the tweet with some statistics or maybe Dwayne Haskins stats. And the Twitter world really blew up on Adam Scheffler to the point where I think Adam Scheffler even removed that part of the tweet and had to uh, redo it again. Um, here, did you, were you able to take a look at that? Yeah, he apologized, he apologized too, which is like another step, you know, in that direction. I guess first I'll talk about Dwayne Haskins, then I'll talk about the tweet. Like it's super sad, right? Like 24 years old, yeah. it was in I think uh, Florida. Um, practicing with some of the other players um, out there. Like he even tweeted or on Instagram posted something with Najee Harris. So he was kind of hanging out with him the day before that happened. But, you know, there's a lot of questions actually on the passing of him. You know, like what was he doing on the freeway? Like what was the situation there? I think there was um, another driver that noticed him like moments before it happened that he was on the side of the freeway. Um, trying to get to the other side um, and people weren't sure why right like there's there's a actually I think a lot of mystery surrounding his death you know like what was the whole situation there I think it was the middle of the night as well um, and mm. you know and how did the dump truck not see him right <laughs> that's also another huge thing but I think in general being on the freeway is really dangerous right it goes without saying and so you know, like we, we just don't know what happened. This car broke down, and you know, he had an argument with someone, so he was on the freeway. I don't know if more will come out. I know last article I read, CHP is kind of investigating his death, but super sad. You know, I think what was really touching to me was the other players kind of tweeting about it. You know, like um I think some of his other teammates like Clay Pool, um, that that's the one that really hits home, right? Like he was like really you know, devastated by the whole situation. And same with the head coach, Tomlin, right? Like he was with the Steelers when this happened. So it's, you know, like it's really heartwarming to hear um, the players talk about how important he was and also really tragic to know that he, you know, passed away at 24, right? Super young age. And I guess coming back to the tweet, well, you know, like the cancel culture is real, dude. <laughs> like, I think Schefter was, you know, after seeing all the players being super devastated, I thought the tweet was insensitive. Um, he, I can see why he did it because he was trying to report on it. He was looking at it from a sports lens and from a reporter lens. So he was saying it was like a struggling player, right? It was like the key word that really triggered everyone. <laughs> Um, a struggling quarterback um, and gave some stats, like you said. So I think that part really showed uh, a lot of fans that, you know, he doesn't care about Haskins as a person, you know, like all the stuff I said about, you know, how, you know, tragic it is as a 24 year old. I think none of that really registered to him. He just saw, you know, a name on a team that passed away. Right, like it could have been a, the way you report it, it's almost like a fantasy player that passed away or something, you know. Like it wasn't, it was pretty cold, I thought. Um, should he have yeah. been canceled for it though? I felt like you know, the reaction to it to me was a little bit over the top as well. <laughs> um, especially when he realized he made a mistake and redid it, people still gave him so much heat for it, wanted to cancel him. I think he lost like a lot of subscribers, you know, because he did that too. A lot of follows on his Twitter account. Um, is it justified? I don't know, right? I think people have to judge for themselves if it's justified. But for me, I, I thought it was, you know, I'm professional in the sense that it was heartless, but also professional in the sense that he is a sports reporter, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. No, very good points um, there. I couldn't have said it any better. I just thought he made a mistake. Um, he he probably was in that professional mindset when he tweeted that um, there, and he just couldn't. That's just his default way of reporting things, right? Where you report something and then you you end it with some statistics to kind of inform um, the audience of who the player is. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, he was on that mode, obviously, right? And, and keep in mind, he's probably working a lot on stats for other players and things like that. So he might have been in that mindset and hasn't even thought about, 
you know what he just tweeted out um so I, but i hope in the future he um takes this into account you know maybe it's a good lesson for him to learn but in terms of punishment a lot of people are like oh espn should suspend him and stuff i don't think so i think it's it was a mistake you kind of have to just move on you know <laughs> i think it's overreaction yeah. they do anything in my opinion so let's kind of talk about the nba the playoffs are finally here feels like forever right since <laughs> since the warriors have been back but it's been a couple it's been a couple years because the play-in game last year didn't, doesn't really count as playoff games according to yeah. the nba so the warriors will be back after a two-year hiatus they are officially the number three seed in the Western Conference, and they will be playing the Denver Nuggets um, here. And they'll be playing at home, um, right, for the first two games. But the thing that's kind of concerning to Warriors fans right now is the status of Stephen Curry's um, playability here. Do you think he's going to play at all in the first game or two, or do you think it's going to be the typical Warriors way where they're going to rest <laughs> him for the first two games? and try to ease him in for game three or game four? I mean, I kind of hope so, right? Because the last thing we want is to rush him back and he gets hurt again, you know? <laughs> I mean, we kind of learned that with the Kevin Durant situation. Um, rushing people back isn't the way to go, right? But I'm curious on how well the Warriors will do without him. You know, I think lately Clay has been heating up. Jordan Poole has been looking great. Um, the matchup with the Nuggets is tough, though, right? I'm not sure how well we match up with them without Curry, um, but having that home advantage does help. So I think that's going to be key to this whole situation. I think we have to monitor practice. A lot of people are saying he's actually could practice this week, and if he does, that's looking promising, right? That maybe he might be back in time for at least game two. Um, to me, I feel like game one is probably going to be out. I don't see him recovering and being ready by Thursday, you know, um, if he hasn't even stepped into the practice court yet today. So um, so we'll see if, um, if we can get him sooner, you know. But what do you think? I, I don't think we should rush him <laughs> personally. So, Well, it's going to be a different story if we're down 2-0 to the Nuggets, right? And and then fans will be like, okay, well, maybe Curry should have been playing game one or game two um, here, so we won't be losing the playoff series at all. But right. I think this matchup against the Nuggets is as good as it gets uh, for the Warriors here, just because the, the Nuggets are missing Jamal Murray and they're yeah. also missing uh, Michael Porter Jr. too here. I don't think Porter Jr. is going to play in this series. Jamal Murray sustained a torn ACL, I believe, and that was against the Warriors earlier this season um, here. So basically, it's really um, it's really uh, Joker, you know, just Joker's team, you know, for the Nuggets. And yeah. I think the Warriors match up pretty well with that, you know. Um, I think they're just going to load up Draymond and Looney against him here and just kind of make everyone else beat you. And I just think the Warriors have enough offensive power uh, to win out in this series. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot better than we thought in the last six games, right? I think our prediction was like three and three or um, possible four and two, but they ended up going five and six, so or five or one, right? So it's uh, they're heating up at the right time. And I'm kind of, you know, happy and kind of praising uh, Kavon Looney for being able to play all 82 games. This is his first season being able to do that, right? And he's been huge for the Warriors. You know, like without Wiseman there, he's been playing a lot of minutes in that center position. He's been doing a lot better. Um, maybe it's a new coach that came in and kind of revised his career. And maybe it's also some of the training staff to keep him healthy. But he's looking a lot better. Um, we definitely will need him, um, especially with Wiseman not being there. That's our only big man, right? But I think uh, the strategy really is to go small ball, though, right? So it might might be, uh, you know, need him and not need him at the same time. So Yeah, I think we would definitely need him against Jokic um, there. But um, I like our chances against their supporting cast. Basically, it's Jokic and, you know, a bunch of 
other players. There's really no star players other than him. Um, so I really like our chances. I think Jordan Poole will have some pretty big games uh, coming up too. And hopefully we can have Wiggins out there, you know, playing well. But something to kind of look out for was Mike Malone. He did the hack a looney um, thing uh, in the last game. And that really slowed up the Warriors in the fourth quarter. So that may be something to kind of keep an eye on um, there. Um, guys that he'll probably hack is Kavon Looney. Uh, Wiggins has been struggling, been very inconsistent from the free throw line there. Draymond Green could be another target um, there. So uh, be on the lookout for the for the hack a looney kind of deal, which kind of sucks as Warriors fans, but it's something that Mike Malone implemented in the last game, and it definitely worked to slow down the Warriors. It's also kind of sucks to watch on TV, right? I think the yeah. hack, hack rule is like the worst television you can watch. <laughs> you know? um, the Nuggets do have Aaron Gordon still, don't they, on the team, and Jeff Green. I guess that's two guys we might have to account for, but, but I think you're right. Um, it'll be the return of DeMarcus Cousins as well. You know, like how impressed is that guy being like lately being able to sneak into the playoffs with different teams, you know, <laughs> like that must be a great feeling as well. You know, but yeah, we should be, yeah. I like our chances. So we'll have our prediction later, but it's, uh, it's going to, it's going to be a series at least having the number three seed where at least with a good matchup. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to major league baseball here. Um, so the opening day weekend has concluded and you know the giants they took two out of three and i think that's what we predicted right on the yeah. last show yeah we did <laughs> yeah we predicted two out of three there um the first game was kind of a thriller slash mistake prone type of game in which <laughs> i think we blew the lead right then we blow yeah, we the lead did. on that first yeah. game and then um we also had dubon have a mental mistake in the base paths um, in in the tenth inning. There, getting thrown out, trying to um, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he wasn't <laughs> even trying to tag up, right? He was yeah. in between tagging up and um, and uh, having a little bit of a lead going into third base. But if you guys saw the play, gosh, it was such it was such a frustrating thing to watch. Mental but, mental block, you know. What I mean, but we still came out winning right for that still came out you know and joint kuiper had a really nice call when uh austin slater hit that double or single yeah. to drive in darren ruff right and if you yeah. haven't heard that call go go look it up but he basically references um was it was it was it what big darren ruff yeah is on the move <laughs> darren ruff's yeah. on the move <laughs> it was pretty funny to watch him run the bases considering how you know not he's not the fastest guy on the team you know like probably the slowest guy i would say um i have a few friends who who said it would have been funny to see him try to run against pablo and see who's faster you know it's that type of speed that we're looking at but rough guys think done. he's really that honestly i don't think he's really that slow jerry i think like he's yeah. deceptively fairly fast for his size right and it wasn't like that ball was deep into the left left field corner right yeah. it was it would i think it just hit the wall on the bounce and he and he scored but if it if it was a clear clean exchange um there with the catcher i think he would have been thrown out right but yeah. um, to make it that close for a guy his size to score from first base i thought that was pretty impressive that's true he did round the bases there right so i guess i should give him more credit than that but you know, it was a fun win. I thought out of all the wins, that was the more most fun to watch on opening day. You know, so I think Rodon looked really hot in the second game. Unfortunately, we still lost, but man, 12 Ks and 89 pitches. That's that's some heat that you're bringing there, you know. So you think the ballpark had anything to do with that or is all on him? I think it's all him, to be honest with you. Um, well, the guy hit 98 miles per hour. Uh, more than two or three times yeah. on there. And the last guy to really do that is Tim Linscombe, right? Um, back in like 2009 era. Um, so I think he's going to be pretty darn good. Um, I think health is, of course, going to be the key thing um, for a guy like Rendon. But 
gosh, I think his I think his contract is really friendly for him because he has a, he has the option, right? If he does really well, he could just opt out of that right. contract and get a long term contract elsewhere. But if he doesn't do well or he does very mediocre the rest of the way, he can just opt in for that yeah. twenty plus million dollar a year um, deal for next season. So as Giants fan, I'm like just in between because I'm like I really want him to do well, but if he does too well, he's leaving, right? <laughs> so, do you have that uh, sense too? Like when when you see a contract like that? No, I no because I feel like he needs to do well. Like that's the ideal situation because you know if he does well, that means the Giants will go pretty far in this run, right? Like I'm not gonna look in the future without seeing the current. You know, so I'm gonna root for the current, hoping he does well. Best case scenario, we make it to the World Series, possibly win it, and then he has no choice but to resign with us because who brought him the ring? You know, so so you can also look at it from that standpoint too. That hey, if he's doing well, hey, the rest. But, of the but what we've seen before, winning the winning the World Series doesn't so, necessarily being resigned by the same team as what we saw with Freddie Freeman with the Braves, right? That guy yeah, led that yeah. team to the to the championship and was still um, right. was still kind of shipped out of town in a sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So oh, I, I think I best case it. scenario is we, you know, Rendon, he, he uh, leads us to a world series championship and then the giants re-sign him to a long-term contract, you know? So even if he doesn't re-sign with us and he brings us to the world series for one season, we see like a really hot pitcher I think it's worth it, right? I mean, you wouldn't. Would you really trade that for a guy who's mediocre that's signed here long term? You know, so right. I wouldn't trade that. You know, I'd rather have a guy that's hot for one season, even like a rental that can take us far and have fun games to watch like this one. You know, so and I thought a funny quote that I saw I think on Twitter was that he pitched like Lincecum but got a Matt Kane result. You know, <laughs> losing two one. Mm -hmm. Remember, Matt Cain did that a lot. He had like great pitches, but the Giants would still lose the game, you know. But hopefully, this is a one timer and you know, things will be good. Do you think Ramos's uh debut is gonna be something that we're gonna look forward to for the rest of the season, or was that a one timer? What do you think? No, I think he's here to stay to have a player come up this quickly, um, in the season, um, here and his talent. I think he's. I think he's going to do well in the big leagues. Um, he's not he's not super athletic on the base paths, right? But he's a big body, right? He's going to generate a lot of power. And I just think um, with this day of age and how everyone is applauding launch angle and everything, I think uh, Ramos is going to do um, – he's going to do really well. That's what I'm really looking forward to. I think the future is bright with him and Joey Bart um, here on the roster. Um, I, I like our chances a lot better. I don't know if it's just because we won two out of three. I know we lost against the San Diego Padres um, on Monday um, here, but to be honest, you know, looking at um, Rendon and and seeing how our bullpen is really good, I think you know you have solid starting pitching and you also have a solid bullpen. I think you're going to win a lot of games uh, here. Is that what you saw as well? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think that's why I'm kind of excited for this season. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we're trying to get done with some of the younger guys and trying to see what guys can do and not do. You know, it's good to, especially Joey Bart, he looks a lot more confident out there. I think now he's not really trying to live up to, you know, the posy expectations anymore. He's kind of playing his own game, right? So um, and I didn't see a big drop-off on the pitching with him like obviously for Radon did it and you know overall I think the bullpen still needs a lot of work um, that's a part where I'm a little bit still worried about you know like what the Padres lost yesterday it was on the bullpen you know the bullpen couldn't keep it together and same with the first game so I think we need to clean that up if we can get that into a state where the bullpen's doing better then I like our chances a lot Right, I think that's the only real weakness now. Um, the bats are obviously heating up in a couple of these games now, so we'll see. It's a long season, guys. Uh, it's only what four games in here, so we can't really, you know, overanalyze it at this point. 
I think what I told you, Jerry, is um, kind of see it every 20, 30 games, right? Maybe after 30 games, evaluate and see how the team is doing. And then we can kind of chastise them, you know, <laughs> for their talent or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true, right? Because it's like we could overreact after another two game losing streak or something. You know, what I mean, that's how that's how sports is with uh, this stuff. But yeah, like you said, baseball baseball's a pretty um, pretty long season. So, all right, let's move on to our picks of the week. All right, picks of the week. Um, we have two or three picks, actually, because I'm, I'm going to add another one in there. Okay. So let's pick tonight's game with the Padres versus the Giants. You um, Darvish pitching for the Padres and Alex Cobb pitching for the Giants at home. The odds are pretty even for this game, right? It's like minus 110 for both teams, so that means it's – Basically a 50-50 split here. Um, who do you have? Okay. So looking at this game here, I think the Giants will bounce back. And I believe it is City Connects night, right? It's a Jersey yeah. City Connect night. <laughs> so, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night. And we're at home. So I think it is City Connect night. Yes, usually that's winning night. Uh, so I'm going to factor that into it. And I just think the Giants will be able to hit you, Darvish, okay, since he's a right-hander and they'll be able to, um, you know, stack up some lefties um, in the lineup against him. And Alex Kopp, um, he's, he has something to prove with the Giants too. So he's going to be pitching at home. He's going to be pitching on Tuesday night here. I think he's going to be pitching pretty well, maybe around five, you know, five innings or so here and give it to the bullpen. So I think I'm going to go with the Giants on that first game. What about you? Yeah, man, that City Connect jersey argument's uh, pretty solid, dude. <laughs> like, that's hard to argue with. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I'm also going to go with the Giants. I just don't think you Darvish has the stuff anymore, you know. And like you said, Alex Cobb, you know, this is the game that – we'll kind of see a preview of for the rest of the season, you know, like depending on how he does. I mean, he can still ramp up obviously because it's early, but you know, um, I think he can get it done. So I'm going to go with the Giants here. All right. Uh, before we move on to the next game, uh, what's up G commented and Mike, you're beating me. That's <laughs> your playing. What's up G of fantasy this week. <laughs> and then he also says giants for the win. Yes. For the win. Hey, hey, you know, it's auto draft is for the win, right? Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you auto drafted? Okay. I accidentally auto draft and forgot about um, the draft that happened um, oh. here. But I really liked What's Up G's um, formatting of the league here. He's, he put it um, into two separate standings here, kind of like the West and East. And then he did a head to head matchup, which was pretty oh, nice okay. um, there. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a pretty cool setup that I saw. So that kind of gave me the idea to bring it up to you in the beginning of this episode. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a way better setup than the well I'm used to in the past. <laughs> All right, second game we're gonna pick is gonna be the last game with the Padres. Padres is pitching out Shamanea uh, uh, versus um, the Giants, who is pitching out Logan Webb, and the odds have. Um, Giants as a favorites, right? It's minus 120 versus a plus 110 for the Padres. So Vegas thinks uh, the Giants have it. How say you? This sounds like a rubber match, right? Like the third the third out of third game out yeah, of this yeah. matchup. Yeah. So, you know, Sean Manea has been pretty inconsistent throughout his career dating back with the A's um, here. And I'm not sure, you know, what kind of Sean Manea is going to show up. He can be lights out for the first two innings or so and then, you know, start struggling for the next two or three um, here. And for that, I think the Giants will be able to capitalize, even though he is a lefty and we kind of struggle against left-handed pitching um, at times. But, gosh, we have our horse out there, Logan Webb. Uh, he looked pretty good in that opener. I think he's going to bounce back with another strong outing. So I'm going to pick the Giants to beat the Padres in that third game of the series. 
What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, this one's tough, right? Because I think I agree with you. Logan Webb is the better pitcher, um, and we'll know what Manea's going to do. But the bullpen's been rocky, you know? And sometimes I feel like they kind of rest on their laurels a little bit when they see a guy like Webb out there, you know, kind of like what we saw a little bit with Radon um, and all that stuff, right? They held up okay, actually, with Radon, but still... It's just they've been a little bit rocky. Um, hopefully, guys are going to settle down a little bit more for that game. Um, but the Padres, I don't think it's that great. <laughs> you know, they've always been known to kind of choke a little bit, especially in these rubber rubber matches, right? So, yeah, I'll go with Webb. Um, I feel like this is not the game I would pick you know, <laughs> if I had a choice just because rubber, rubber matches are tough you know, because it's usually the last game of the series and or it is the last game of the series, and guys show up unexpectedly, and that's often the difference in the game, right, or in the series. So, so yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, we'll go with the Giants. I have some confidence, and I think that's going to be the theme of the season, just win series, right? Like, be consistent on winning these matchups and these series, and I think the Giants will go pretty far by doing that. So, Yeah, I think win the series, um, you know, have strong pitching, you know, both on the starting end and also on the back end um, there and and just play mistake-free baseball, right, until, you know, guys like Wade and Evan Longoria come back. Yep, yep. Okay, so last pick we're going to do. Um, we don't have the game yet because it's on Thursday, so we're just going to pick the series. Um, so the Warriors at home hosting the Nuggets, right, in the seven-game series. So they have the home advantage, rather. So Vegas has the odds, actually, at minus 200 for the Warriors to advance, right? Um, and Denver Nuggets are underdogs at plus 170. I guess, first off, who do you think wins the series? And what is, you think, the final, you know, score for for the series? Hmm. Okay. I think the Warriors have an edge. Um, in this series, I know we talked about it earlier in the episode, how Jokic um, is kind of by himself in an island with that Nuggets team. Yeah, he has a guys like Aaron Gordon and and um, I think Batum, Nick yeah. Batum as well. Um, but, you know, he just doesn't have enough talent around him. And I think the Warriors have an, enough firepower and they will develop a defensive system to let Jokic get his numbers on the offensive end here, but not allow the Nuggets, other players, get hot. So I'm going to pick the Warriors here. I'm trying to figure out what the um, the final count will be. I think they're going to split the first two games, you know, at home. And then Curry will come back in game three um, here. And then I think the Warriors will be able to win this series in six games. So I'm going to pick Warriors 4-2 over the Nuggets. What do you think? So is this series 2-3-2 uh, two, two now? Um, is that the format or is it 2-1-1-1? That I can't confirm with you. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, – so depending on that, right, I'm feeling – yeah, this is hard. This is such a hard game to pick. Or a hard series to pick because we don't know if Curry's coming back and for what game. You know, I'm assuming he's going to be back for the playoffs. But then at the same time, I'm not sure what game he's going to be back in. But I do like your Warriors in six. I'm just going to be somewhat conservative, you know, um, mainly because the playoffs are a tougher game. You know, it's a tougher, tougher overall in terms of um, play. Right, so, oh man, this is tough. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Warriors in seven. How's that? I'll be a little bit more conservative than you. Um, I think you, you do have a good point though, right? I think the Warriors in six is pretty good. And I just confirm it's two two one one. Um, so it's gonna be, yeah. So it's gonna be, um, you know. Two, two, two at home, two on the road, and then back at home on the road, and then back at home if needed to win to end the series. So, 
Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll take Warriors in seven. Um, worst case scenario, right? I think they're, they're going to win it back at home and move on. And what's up, G? Agrees with you. He says Warriors. <laughs> so there we go. Confidence in that pick. I like it. So <laughs> I think it'll be a fun series overall. I'm pretty happy. You know, the Warriors are back in. What do you think, dude? Like, like I got. How would you describe like this whole situation, right? <laughs> it's felt like a roller coaster this season. Yeah, I just think they're really streaky right now. We don't know what kind of Warriors team will show up, and that's why we're not picking them in four or five games, right? right. We're picking them in six or seven games um, <laughs> to win. So I just think they're going to show up game one. I'm not too sure how they're going to show up in game two or game three here, but we definitely want Curry back. I think, uh, I think he's – He's really the key to the whole engine, right? But if Curry doesn't come back this series, do you think the Warriors will win? Dude, that's, that's <laughs> asking myself nonstop, right? Because on one hand, you do have Clay and Draymond. You know, you have Iguodala, lots of experience there. But then you also have guys like Kaminga, Poole, and um, a few other guys that haven't been there before. You know, so you're kind of balancing experience with youth. You know, um, I think they'd still pull it out because, like, the reasons you said, right? I think Jokic is the one-man show, essentially. You know, like, Aaron Gordon's there, but he also needs a guy to kind of get him going. Um, and the Warriors tend to figure it out, especially in a seven-game series, on how to beat someone, especially a team that's uh, worse than them. Right, teams are a little bit better than them, which aren't many. You know, <laughs> I think in the past has always been like the Cavs or a few other teams that are better than them. You know, um, but teams that are lower in the lower seed or have more offensive deficiencies. The Warriors' defense tend to step it up. You know, yeah. so I think Warriors in six or in seven is pretty accurate. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, thanks uh, for listening. Thanks for watching. Our shout out of the week is to What's Up G. Thanks What's for commenting on a weekend and week out basis. We really do appreciate it um, here. And please click that subscribe button if you can on YouTube or whatever audio version that you're listening to um, here. Do you have any final thoughts before the Warriors play the Nuggets this week? No, let's go Giants, go Warriors, and, you know, we'll click subscribe to our channel. All right. Well, that is a wrap, guys. We will tune in next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at Mind of Jerry 11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.